Yay! It's the anniversary episode of the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I cannot believe we've been doing this for a year. So crazy. It's so crazy. Do you remember the first episode where like both families downstairs and we were doing WAP and like the Cardi B, Cardi B, right? No, it's Stallion. Is it Cardi B? I think both of them. Okay. So that had just come out that week and it was like rip roaring everywhere. That is our most downloaded episode. What are the stats? What are we at? Um, let me see here. Let me we pull have 21 it up. episodes. 21 episodes. We are now over 10,000 downloads. Nice. I feel like that's a big landmark or a big... I mean, I think there are a lot of podcasts, obviously. And there are a lot of podcasts that maybe grow very big, very quickly. I like they probably to have of- like marketing and like assistance, you know, <laughs> there's yeah, like nobody more, else more than, podcast. more than two people involved. So <laughs> yeah. um, let's see, let's go our statistics overview. So our total all time downloads, 10,400 downloads. We are going to be releasing a bunch of episodes on Monday. They're releasing <laughs> at the same time as this one's releasing. So you can like super dose yourself with Don't Beat Around the Bush Pod. I um, hate when I'm caught up on a podcast. Yeah, like, the options are limited. So the more sure. and more we can get on there, then people can, if they're new, they can start from the beginning and just have a super binge. And if you are already a fan and you let, have been binging and you're all caught up then you have a cool opportunity to binge a bunch of episodes so that's super exciting so uh, this is also the, our first podcast that we are doing remotely from each yeah. other we're finally over the hump of Haley moving and yep. school starts next week so we will be more diligent with that every other week releasing an episode i'm excited to get back in the swing of things And welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. So today we are going to go over some embarrassing occurrences that have been shared with us because Haley and I are all about sharing the embarrassing yeah. stories. <laughs> I feel like we've been consistently oversharing for the last year. So it's time for you guys to overshare a little bit too. Thinking about, man, sometimes I just get done recording and I'm like, oh shit, did I really tell that story? <laughs> like, and then when I hear about spouses listening to the podcast and I'm like, oh boy, they probably know way more than they want to about our pelvic floors, but that's okay. We're getting the word out there. So you want to share our first uh, embarrassing story from our Instagram fans? Okay. Yes, I will share. So there were a couple posts all about vagina farts. Varts. Varts. So (laughs) I will share one that came into my DMs. It was a bit long for the question box. I had a private yoga lesson and I queef a lot. 
I came out of the posture and just knew it was going to happen. My teacher was at my feet with her face near my hips, and she kept telling me to release my muscles in my legs, and I just couldn't. She kept on at me saying, I need to release tension. I gave in, and the longest and loudest release of air just ripped out of my vajayjay. Just wanted the ground to swallow me up. <laughs> the pros about that story is, one, it was only one person. Was- yes, yes. And two, I feel like it's kind of ironic that she was so adamant about telling that person to release their tension, which was actually holding in the air. And then when they relaxed, um, you know, there it goes. She was asking for it. I bet she was coming out of like inversion positions. Yeah. Because that down dog, um, puppy pose are notorious for varts. Yeah. And Haley has some really good reels on that. This has happened to me probably maybe a couple times in public, but when it happens like at home, I get real nervous. (laughs) Like, cause I think of that scenario and I'm like, this better never happen. Like in a class setting, but thinking about pressure, this is like a pressure issue. And to me, um, like controlling a VART is where learning how to control your pelvic floor independent of your phase of breathing, as well as like independent of like the other muscles of your body is important, right? Because right. I think we talk so much about like inhale, relax, exhale, contract, but we can't always be in that perfect pressure right. scenario. And so there are times where it is appropriate to keep your pelvic floor activated, but like be inhaling or moving in different directions, as long as we're not some super symptomatic of other, other issues. Right. And just the, the control being able to lengthen with control and contract with control and not just like letting go. So if you think of your vaginal opening is the divide, and then you have your vaginal cavity in the outside air, If that outside air pressure is greater than the pressure in your vaginal cavity, or if your muscles are, you know, open or whatever, it's going to force air into your vaginal cavity. So like thinking of like down dog, you know, where your organs are kind of moving towards your head because you're inverted Mm. and that kind of sucks air in. It yep. can anyway. Yeah. And then you get out of that position and that pressure from your abdomen yeah. kind of forces that air back out. So try, you know, that's pretty technical, but that's the reason <laughs> they happen, you know, yeah. and, is like and, pressure and I, control. And I think it's important to remember that they are totally normal. Like it is not an indication that anything is wrong with you. But that being said, there are sometimes strategies that we can enact to to help with that. So yeah. here's a question. What's more embarrassing, farting or varting? <laughs> Cause I like, well, I think farts are super funny and like, I never hold back my farts. Neither do I <laughs> in public anywhere. Like I, you fart I can, in public. No way. I can relax. Like I'm pretty good at like relaxing my butthole. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But like, so like, like a crop one. dust everyone. <laughs> but like, <laughs> that's the key right the key is like release your sphincter and then you're again fart analytics just from we talked about this on the WAP episode okay fart science is that if you are really squeezing it tight the pressure that's going to come out anyways you can either hold it really tight and get that high squeaky pitch sound or you can relax it and 
the era. <laughs> this is totally, yes. The ability to quietly fart is a pelvic floor skill and one yeah. that is very handy. <laughs> so to me, I feel like I'm pretty stealthily at releasing quiet farts. So I think I'd be more embarrassed by like a loud fart. Also, you think- can control farts, I think, better. Because like the anus sphincters, they close a lot easier, right? Like your vaginal opening, like to close that is actually pretty hard. Yeah, And it's bigger and the muscle's not as strong. And I think I would be, yeah, I might be more embarrassed by a vagina fart than a butt fart. Yeah, for sure. I I think I agree with you. And then just like the cue, I always use the cue for like a pelvic floor breath to breathe into your butt or like breathe into your tailbone. You're farting softly. I sent Haley something last week. I get real annoyed when people use the Kegel cue of tightening their butt Mm, because mm -hmm. it's tight enough. (laughs) Like like in most instances, it's tight enough. Let's just dispel this right now. I think there are a decent number of public floor PTs who listen to this podcast based on our Instagram following. This came out because in the research, when they just cued people and had a probe in the vagina and they, they cued people to squeeze different with different verbal cues, the verbal cue of squeeze your anus exhibited the highest rating on the biofeedback probe. That makes sense. Because people's posterior pelvic floor and their sphincters are very strong, typically. Oh, stronger than the front. So you will get the highest rating. Does that mean that that's a supportive, functional, useful contraction of the pelvic floor? I don't know. So we don't need to be cueing everyone with that cue. And and I would argue that that's probably damaging or not damaging. It's just not good. It's just not good. We can do better than that. So I actually came across an article for my postural restoration certification about pelvic position. And the and this is where I started getting really annoyed with that cue. And I'm actually like trying to find, I literally have the journals right here. So they tested like posterior tilt, neutral, anterior tilt, and then the strength of the contraction. And it was a vaginal probe. And with a posterior tilt, it was the highest contraction. So like thinking of how your pelvic and hip position dictate where in the pelvic floor you're going to get the most engagement. And I can't find it here, which is really annoying. I guess my thing is, is like, is it though a posterior pelvic tilt or is it actually just coming to neutral? Right. Because the tone, it's not just the pel, like the bony position, but it's the tone and the muscle balance between like opposing muscles. So anyway, this is getting real like nerdy. Yeah. I hate that cue. Yeah. So varts. Varts are collectively between me and Haley more embarrassing than farts. (laughs) Another tip, which I don't think is in any of my reels is if you think you're going to vart and you're coming from, say, like an inversion to um, like coming out of that inversion is actually to wait one side. Say you've come into like down dog and like scorpion, right? Where like your leg comes up over your head and then like things are real open (laughs) and then you come back down and put both feet on the ground and then come down. Keep your weight on the one side. Or when you put the other foot down, like shift to the other leg and and then wait more through the one foot. And sometimes that allows there to be some better like left to right distribution. I like I it. I found that m- more with farts, but I don't have a huge varting problem personally. So, but I think that would be helpful to like 
shift side to side a little bit. Nice. I love it. So another situation, embarrassing story that was shared with us. Well, it kind of relates to postpartum walking, but sharding or (laughs) leaking poop when you're walking, (laughs) especially like in those early postpartum stages. And right off the bat... I would, like, what do you think the percentage of people who have poop in their pants are? The percentage? Or, like, at least started a little bit. A lot. Because I just pulled a statistic for fecal incontinence. Um, not, like, full-on fecal incontinence. Like, just it happened one time or two times. A lot. Yeah. (laughs) A lot. I think everyone, I would hazard to say that, like, is it a life rite of passage to have, like, pooped your pants? Growing up, I remember all the comments about like racing stripes. <laughs> like, you know what racing stripes? We talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. Sure. Like skid marks in your underwear. Skid marks. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it's common, especially if we're constipated or holding a lot of tension in our pelvic floor, our breathing patterns are off. But who wants to admit that? Nobody. Nobody. Like, I feel like we're kind of in a place where we're comfortable admitting we leak pee when we jump or sneeze. But, very few people are going to come out and say, oh, yeah, like I poop my pants, you know? Yeah, 100%. And the like coffee or morning or just nervous urgency that so many women that I know have and get is so worrisome and so stressful that I would hazard that that would cause people to avoid activities even more than leaking pee because it's easier to hide a leaking pee right Right. like yeah you can put a pad on i mean i have these like shorts now that that i got from prickly pear that like have it built in the gusset and so like you know there are more options out there for women who have urinary incontinence but yeah fecal incontinence is definitely not talked about as much and definitely has more taboo surrounding it but I would say at, before the episode, Eddie and I were talking about how we really just dislike this recommendation that a lot of women postpartum get to like, oh, just go for a walk and like go Ugh. for walks postpartum. And the amount of coordination and endurance that it takes for our pelvic floor to go for a walk while pushing or wearing a baby and maybe carrying a dog and watching a toddler is like humongous for the early postpartum period. And that's where we have heard multiple stories about moms completely shitting their pants on a postpartum walk. And those muscles, one, have been lengthened, um, whether it was a vaginal or cesarean birth. The organs are shifting, uterus is shifting, and we just can't, um, we're just like those muscles are just holding on at their end range doing their best to try to do something, but they are having a hard time. And so as soon as there's the added weight of some stool in your rectum, your body's like, no, no, we we cannot control this. We cannot, we can't do this anymore. And so, yeah, pants shitting postpartum on those long rambling walks is huge. And mentally, I'm sure that has to be like so... Um, discouraging to just feel like already like everything is so bad and now I just shit my pants 
But also like the recommendation for getting back to exercise is always go for a walk, go for a walk, go for a walk. And then people are like, well, damn, I can't even go for a walk without my pelvic floor getting pissed off. So what am I supposed to do? Yes, but there's actually so much more that you can do and should be doing before you go for a walk. And that the postpartum, you know, walking with a stroller or a carrier or even walking the dog limits your rotation. So if you're limiting your thoracic rotation, your arm swing, you're going to be limiting your hip rotation and pelvic rotation. And that rotation can be so helpful to decrease the tone in the back of your pelvic floor and to balance out your pelvic floor function. So if you're stuck in that sagittal plane or what I call cracking your egg without rotation, I mean, especially on a body that just had a baby whether whatever method it came out that's your core system that is already you know (laughs) having to yeah not pulling its weight so it's just um it's a recipe for pooping your pants yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes okay so on the same line of thought i have another one that is hilarious Oh, by the okay. way, I looked up that stat real quick. Oh, yeah. 10% okay. of postpartum women have fecal incontinence. How much? Um, 10%. Yeah. So those are like, I mean, I don't know how big the study was. I'd have I, to like go back to my and like, I would even that be might curious. not even be accurate. I would be, that, that may be like, you can't control any poop at yeah, all. I think not that's just like, like, that's like, like serious fecal incontinence. Like, that's like enough that they're seeking help. Victor injury, muscle injury, pa- right. you know, pathology. Not right. just I'm overtaxing my muscles. So I bet you that percentage is even higher, honestly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it often so constipation is a recipe for disaster for your pelvic floor in general. Mm-hmm. Never mind being postpartum. So again, if we're holding back stool because we're nervous about that poop hurting, and then it's gonna get out, like our poop's gonna get out. And um sometimes that shows up as diarrhea because the poop is just trying to escape your body and it bypasses the constipation, that like big hard stool. Um, but yeah, eventually it's going to come out. And, and so this, this embarrassing story was the first time I met my hubby's dad, I clogged his toilet and had to ask for a plunger. He had to plunge. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard about the, the spoon or the spatula? I don't know where I heard about it. It must have been Reddit, I think, like years ago, that some people apparently, like, I don't know, in certain areas of the world or cultures, or I don't know who these people are because it wasn't my family. They have a spoon or a spatula that they keep in the bathroom. And if the poop is too long, like it won't like go down. Oh, they like chop it? They will chop it. So <laughs> it goes down. And I was just like, that how do how am I like uh, over 30 years old and just hearing about this poop spatula? <laughs> I don't know. But um I guess like, you know, that would be helpful. I don't know who where that's stored, yeah. or you so, definitely don't want to mix that up in the kitchen. <laughs> like, oh god. Like that, oh my gosh. Hey, what's this spatula doing here? I'm gonna make a cake. <laughs> like a guest, like unknowingly, just like, oh, I'm gonna help out and put this back. Oh my gosh, the poop spatula. So those long poops, you're number four. Do you think it was equal, like just long, or do you think it was wide? Oh, the one that plugged the toilet. Yeah, or I would length. Do you think length ner- is usually? 
no it's got to be a lot of and then you add toilet paper on that yeah that's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff trying to go down that tiny hole that's why you get a bidet and then you don't have to worry about the toilet paper (laughs) so i get so happy when i have those like long smooth poops the perfect number four and i have shifted that on to the kids so last week david like he comes out to me he's like mom i had a perfect banana poop (laughs) he'll get so excited he's like it was only one long poop (laughs) like that's awesome buddy high five (laughs) and he cracks in the surface (laughs) i know like let's examine this a little further oh my poor children um have you ever clogged the toilet with a poop in a in a bad situation i remember doing it at friends houses like in college but i was able to find the plunger i don't think i've ever done it without being able to find a plunger Plunger, yeah i'm trying to think i don't yeah i feel like there's been times but it was like either at my own house or someone but was able to plunge or get it to pass yeah without overflowing <laughs> so whenever I have to go to the bathroom in a public restaurant, I try to avoid that, which is not good. You should not hold your poop in. But whenever I do, it's like, I say a little prayer before I like flush. I'm like, please make this like go down. I like don't want to deal with this clogged toilet. And then you just have to like get out of there as quickly as possible and flee the scene of the crime. But yesterday we went to this like massive park and um bobby took cam to the bathroom because he said he had to go poop and they get into the bathroom in the one of the stall next to that the stall that they went into was had like poop on the floor oh and cam was like not going in there and like not it wasn't in his but it was it smelled bad and it was like a noisy public bathroom and so he just held it and i was like normally i'd be like don't hold it like you can do it but i was like that's fine let's go (laughs) oh my goodness that, yeah. I mean, that's a whole clogging a toilet is so innocent. Poop on the floor. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe they were just milliseconds away from making it to the toilet. And it yeah, just I don't know. Fell out. Um, so I have a weird thing that every time I go shopping, it's not like grocery shopping, it's like clothes shopping or fun mm-hmm. shopping or like looking around, like Target style, mall style. I like walk through those doors and I have to poop immediately. Yes. It's crazy. And I don't it's know PJ why. It's Max for me. It's oh, like always. in Southern Pines because it was always, that was the only store. But every time I'd go into TJ Maxx and I'd usually have a cart, right? Yeah, and I'd so have like a like... baby in the cart. So then I'd be like, what do I do with this cart? I just leave it here. And yeah, that's that was my poop spot always. Why? Is it like the excitement? Is it like the nervous system? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like sure. just wanting to like drop loads so you can stay in Maybe there for hours. Like, oh, you're about to try on clothes. We gotta like. <laughs> it's happened to me since I was in middle school. It's been mm-hmm. a long time, and then like if you ignore that for too long, then then you'll end up shirting. <laughs> but oh my gosh! Last one you want to talk about is vagina cramping before an orgasm. So, so- I had a question during too during or like yeah like at the around the time yeah Uh, this was a conversation with a friend she randomly was like hey why do orgasms why are they kind of painful and i was like say what (laughs) like orgasms are not supposed to be painful and she's like your orgasms aren't painful i'm like no not 
in the slightest. And she's like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's not like a pain, pain that deters me from wanting to orgasm, but it's like, you know, she couldn't quite like describe it, but I have a feeling it was kind of like a, a cramp, maybe a cramping pain or like a straining pain. And I know way too much about their sex life, but she usually orgasms when on top. So I know that her back's extended, right? Like if you're on top, you're, you have to extend your back or they're not going to get in when your back's extended and your knees are out like that. The front of your pelvic floor is in an elongated position. Mm-hmm. And then an orgasm is like the contraction of your mm-hmm. pelvic floor. So it's like, you know, any muscle, like lengthen it, like your elbow or like your hamstring, and then try to work it and contract it. It doesn't feel great. Yeah. The other story that I had on that was that the person was having these like cramps and pain right before and during orgasm and went to the OB and the OB prescribed lidocaine, topical lidocaine. And, numb that and shit I was up. like, um, pardon? <laughs> We're going to numb the sensitive parts of our body so Take that you can't feel away. anything? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't add up. So yeah, if we're having a muscle cramp, just like if we were having a foot muscle cramp or a calf muscle cramp, we've got to figure out, you know, yeah, what kind of imbalances are existing that are causing that muscle to have to work extra hard in order to then progress into this cramping, painful sensation. What would be the point of orgasming if you couldn't feel it? I mean, obviously, you're going to feel like the internal muscles, you know, like doing their thing. I don't even know. Again, some people really do need that for different pain conditions. Oh, of course. For some people, it can be an an amazing part of their treatment plan. But it was like, this is not vulvodynia. This is not right. Not a skin. Not complex pelvic pain. This is uh, someone who's experiencing a muscle cramp during a muscle activity. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Sex is exercise. Sex is pelvic floor exercise. And so if we are willing to just dive a little deeper, not be so weirded out by talking about the position of our pelvis during intercourse or the ability to adjust our position or try some different things, or maybe stretch beforehand or activate muscles beforehand, things can get a whole lot better, which is why Addie and I created the Don't Beat Around the Bush Sexual Position Guide. And it's not necessarily meant to treat pelvic pain, Although people who sometimes experience pelvic pain can definitely benefit from all of the tips and advice in there. We always recommend that if you're experiencing a lot of painful intercourse that you seek evaluation by a pelvic floor PT and and get checked out by your other providers. But there's so much good information about pelvic orientation and position and ways to improve your experience with penetration if that's what you're aiming to do. Yeah. And tying it back to like the butt contraction Kegel cue, your pelvis, it's the same thing with sex. Like your pelvic floor muscles, depending on the position they're in, that's how they're going to respond and engage and support during sex. So there's so much you can do. And I would say it's a very musculoskeletal oriented guide, but a lot of like pain from like nerve position or entrapment or compression or just muscle position can 
be resolved by playing with your hip and pelvic position and just being aware and trying new things. Sometimes we get in such a rut, like who's guilty? I'm so guilty. (laughs) But I mean, really just like getting out of your rut and trying new things or tips or whatever. So we've got one more funny, embarrassing story that we want to talk about. So hit it. I love this one. I'm so proud of this this mom for sharing this one. She said that she wet the bed like a month ago, like a child, her exact words. It hit me to my core. I remember wetting the bed in college. Like I remember just, it was so like mortifying. I like remember everything about it. Bedwetting is like so multifaceted. It truly connects the whole body. One, Mm -hmm. like the first thing people are going to tell you is constipation. Like if you're constipated and have that pressure, it can affect your bladder and then like you're sleeping and don't have control. Constipation is usually really prevalent in kids who at the bed, but also thinking about your breathing. So if your airway is decreased, let's say just by the position you're sleeping, maybe you're like sleeping with your head on like a huge pillow on your back and you're like in that forward head position or whatever, like you're sleeping in a wonky way that's like decreasing your airway. Yeah. So airway meaning your ability to breathe, like how much air you can get in. Yeah. Right. So if you have a decreased airway, you have to increase the resistance of the airways increase because you still have to get the same amount of air in, in a smaller space. So you have it's increased resistance in your like thorax, which increases the positive pressure down onto your pelvic floor. So thinking of if you're not awake to control your pelvic floor and you have more pressure down on your pelvic floor, wetting the bed could just be linked to how you're breathing or sleep apnea or, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. But another cool fact is if you are not getting into your REM sleep, you don't produce as much antidiuretic hormone, which suppresses your urge to have to pee. So your sleep quality can be a huge factor in that too, which I think, you know, even as moms, because I'm pretty sure she has one under a year old or about a year old. So I was just about to say, I don't think I've gotten into REM sleep. Right. (laughs) So like, I mean, if you think of like how erratic like sleep schedules are with like newborns or even, you know, even toddlers, Mm -hmm. right. That could definitely play into that. It is, it's crazy. It just like connects the whole body because you just think your pelvic floor, oh, my pelvic floor is to blame, but it's like, no, it probably goes a lot more than that. And then like, what foods or drinks did you have before the bladder was irritated alcohol is a bladder irritant if you drank before bed or caffeine hopefully you're not having caffeine before bed (laughs) citrus fruits fake sugars so all of those things could play into like you know if you're irritating your bladder it's gonna want to expel with whatever's in there right Mm -hmm. and if you can't control it it's gonna lead to an accident yeah. And so I don't think that we want to necessarily be get kind of like the one-off poop pants situation. Right. We don't want to get overly freaked out by one episode of bedwetting or one episode of sharding. Right. <laughs> but again, we want to look at trends. So if in general, you're not sleeping well, you're not waking up feeling rested, you're having other bladder symptoms in the day or other bowel symptoms in the day. And Overall, you're just not feeling 
well, that those are going to be big signs that, yeah, it's, let's go through this check, get this checked out. Right. Exactly. Uh, and usually the solutions aren't as scary as we think. There's always so much to consider. And when you get symptoms that are embarrassing enough, we tend to like get more fearful because we don't want it to happen again. But there are some simple Which things you can do worse. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Then you're clenching your butthole even more <laughs> yeah. to try to like keep everything in. So clenching, this is something I've been thinking about this last like couple weeks because we talk about butt clenching, right? Ab clenching and pelvic floor clenching. Like clenching any muscle group is right. not, not how great. Work. You're going to limit your function let, let go of that tension. Wow. Yeah. We covered some good stuff. Yeah. I feel like that was awesome. So just a reminder that we are going to create a special code for the podcast to get a discount on the don't beat around the bush sexual position guide. I don't know what that is yet. Cause I haven't made it, but <laughs> once I do, <laughs> I will, we had one in there before on a different episode, but it has since expired. So I will update the um, show notes for all the episodes where we've talked about the guide. And I probably will put it in all the episodes show notes. If you are interested in learning more about our biomechanical approach to sexual positions and leveling up your experience with intercourse, we will include a discount code in the show notes. We've been getting some great feedback and we're really excited about it. If you have already have access to it, you will have lifetime access. And so any changes, updates, or things like that, you will be the first to know. Cool. Yeah. I was thinking about everything that's happened like this past year, right? Started the episode, you went out on your own, you had Robert huge, like right after we started the podcast. You moved. I got a physical space to work in. Yeah. We did the sex guide. It's been a busy year. Yeah. I feel like it's been really super fun. And like, I just live for all those messages that are like, I listened to the podcast. I decided to go to PT. It's changing my life. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah. That one yesterday, I was just like, hallelujah. How cool that she felt that she was more knowledgeable and empowered for that information. Exactly. Well, because like, I think with prolapse specifically, we think we catastrophize prolapse so much. And it's like, no, no, 40% of people who've never had children have some degree of prolapse. So you are not alone. It's symptomatic right now, but like, no need to panic. We got, (laughs) we got your back. Yeah, Um, and yeah, like that's just super exciting. And it's why we do it. We're doing it. Yeah. So if you have uh, benefited from this podcast, either like learning something that was helpful or finding resources that were helpful or laughing (laughs) (laughs) to decrease your stress, um, we would love to hear about it. We would love like sharing those reviews really helps the podcast get seen so that we can reach more moms that need the bushy love. Um, so reviews are awesome. Rating, sharing, those are all really, really crucial in getting this information more out there so that people can know, you know, what resources are available, who they can go to, to find a PT or something that will help their pelvic health journey. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Know your bush. Love your bush. Share the bushy love.
communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead. 